The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash earnings right now. netsuite.com slash earnings. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Sound on with Kevin Cirilli. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Mueller Eve. Happy Mueller Eve. Special counsel Bob Mueller set to testify before Congress tomorrow publicly. Two, two rounds of hearings, two-hour hearings. I'm going to bring you the latest. What, if anything, is going to come from Bob Mueller's testimony on Capitol Hill plus fallout after the president agrees to The debt ceiling deal, we will dive into the policy specifics. And get this, there was a major hearing today in the Senate Banking Committee. The Senate Banking Committee's meeting on cannabis challenges just adjourned. We are going to talk with one of the experts in the field, CBD oil, cannabis legalization, all of it. We're going to break down the policy, the politics, and don't forget about trade policy. U.S.-China trade talks also heating up. The U.S. team of negotiators heading to China on Monday for face-to-face trade talks. We've got an all-star panel. Thrilled to have Capri Cafaro back on the program. She's an executive in residence at American University, former Democratic minority leader in the Ohio Senate. Tyler Deaton is here. He's a Republican strategist and fundraiser. He's the president of Allegiance Strategies. And Brady Cobb calls in. He's that CEO and director of one of those cannabis firms, breaking down all of the policy behind today's Senate banking hearing. Jam-packed hour, jam-packed topics. Nancy, what's going on in the headlines? Well, Kevin, as you mentioned, the anticipation is building for tomorrow's House testimony by former special counsel Robert Mueller. He will be discussing his investigation into President Trump in the 2016 election. He'll have his associate Aaron Zebley by his side. Zebley served as Mueller's chief of staff when he was FBI director and also helped with the Trump probe. Congressman Adam Schiff, the Democrat who chairs the House Intelligence Committee, spoke today about what he hopes the outcome of the questioning will be. I hope that where we are at this time tomorrow is um, with a better public understanding of the gravity of what the Russians did, um, the systemic nature of what the Russians did, and the gravity of what the Trump campaign did and what our own president did, how unethical it was. Um, how unpatriotic it was. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says he will not be watching tomorrow. Well, the Americans have got a pretty full picture of it. I believe the Mueller report came out some time back. Uh, 
No, I don't intend to be watching it. President Trump is now suing to block the Democrat-led U.S. House Ways and Means Committee from obtaining his tax records from New York State. This is the latest attempt to keep his personal financial information out of public view. In the lawsuit that was filed today in Washington federal court, Trump is attempting to fend off committee chairman Richard Neal's potential request for the documents under New York's new Trust Act. That compels the state's tax department to comply with the House Committee's records requests. Well, the Senate has given final passage to extending the 9-11 Victim Compensation Fund. The yeas are 97, the nays are 2, the bill is passed. Republicans Mike Lee and Rand Paul were the two voting against. The bill provides compensation to first responders who suffered health issues after working at Ground Zero. It passed the House earlier this month and will now head to the president's desk. Lawmakers and Democratic presidential contenders are on the picket line this afternoon at Reagan National Airport in support of airline food workers. Kamala Harris tweeted that while the U.S. airline industry is booming, airline catering workers are living with poverty, wages, and expensive health care. The protest is being organized by Unite Here, which represents the airline workers. The group says nationally the majority of the food workers serving airlines still earn less than $15 an hour, including some with 30, 40, and even 50 years of service. Also on the picket line, Senators Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, as well as Congresswomen Rashida Tlaib and Ayanna Presley. Well, it is time now for the Beltway Business Report. Here is Bloomberg's Larry Kofsky. Well, Nancy hopes for a thaw in U.S.-China trade relations boosted stocks. The S&P 500 moved back above the 3,000 level. The Dow Jones Industrial Average gained 177. The S&P 500 added 20. The Nasdaq Composite rose 47. Texas Instruments is up 5.5% after the bell. Its latest sales outlook defied U.S.-China trade concerns, signaling hope that a slump in orders for electronic components may soon end. Earnings and sales for the second quarter beat estimates. Chipotle Mexican Grill is up about 3.5% after hours. Its second quarter same-store sales beat estimates, climbing 10% from a year ago. It shows that the chain's investment in digital ordering, delivery, and advertising is paying off. Visa's results are a mixed bag. Total spending on Visa-branded cards fell short of expectations. Growth in spending overseas beat analyst forecasts. Visa little changed in late trading. The Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. area stock index climbed eight tenths of one percent. You're up to date on business from the Beltway to Baltimore. I'm Larry Kofsky. This is Bloomberg 991 and 105.7 FM HD2. Thanks, Larry. Global News 24 hours a day on air and at TikTok on Twitter, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Nancy Lyons. Back to you, Kevin. Thank you, Nancy. It is Mueller Eve, folks. Mueller Eve, special counsel Bob Mueller, he is going to return tomorrow to Capitol Hill. To Capitol Hill where he is going to be giving his first, I believe, the first time he's speaking out publicly before members of Congress testifying under oath. And he's going to be grilled. But will he say much? He's a seasoned professional. I think he knows a thing or two about how to navigate Capitol Hill. Is it all much ado about nothing or Is it just the tip of the iceberg? I'm going to put those questions to an all-star panel. Tyler Deaton's here. He's a Republican strategist and fundraiserer. Big bucks. President of Allegiance Strategies. And Capri Cafaro, friend of the program, executive in residence at American University, former Democratic minority leader in the Ohio Senate. All right, Capri. 
Mueller. I thought he was going to get the, the first question. <laughs> well, I changed okay. my mind I because, because Mueller. Mercurial. You know, Mercurial. We got to let, let him ease into the show. Fair enough. I'm trying to be a good host. I'm trying you to always be, uh, are, Kevin. Thank, I, uh, thank you. I appreciate that. You are on the record. So, uh, Bob Mueller tomorrow. What are you looking for? I mean, is he really going to say much? Haven't we seen this show before? We Well, we have, but it's been the silent movie version of this show. <laughs> and so we've heard members of Congress say that they really want Mueller to, you know, read you know, from his testimony and bring it alive and these sort of things. But I think what 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 Democrats really want is for Bob Mueller to answer the question on the record, would you have charged President Trump with a crime if he were not president of the United States? That's what they're going for now. Are they going to get that answer? Probably not. I think that, you know, he, they will probably get a more lawyerly answer out of Bob Mueller about not speculating because that's not the fact pattern that he had in front of him. Republicans are going to get tried to, you know, question him on the the origins of uh, the investigation and all these other things that we've heard about, Carter Page, blah, blah, blah. So I think it's, it is going to be much ado about nothing, and I'm glad that I'm actually off tomorrow because I'd rather be getting surgery on my ears. No, I, I'm getting surgery on my ears, and I'd rather be doing that than talk about Bob Mueller. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, good luck with surgery. Um, but you're a political junkie just like us, and something tells me that you will somehow – you <laughs> have eyes. You have eyes, and you have Twitter. That's and true, be, and that's true. President Trump, by the way, says he's not going to be uh, watching this, but I – That is not true. Yeah, Tyler, I mean, oh, he'll no be way. watching. Let's it. go. Well, is the... Fox carrying it? I think that that's what I saw. They are. There. They yes, are. they are. Yeah. They are. And I was, you know, I'm going to stick the up president for Fox. Might see it. Well, I listen. We're, I mean, jam-packed news day. Throwing Brexit, by the way. Um, I want to stick with the itinerary for Bob Mueller tomorrow because he. <laughs> hope he gets to sleep tonight because he's going to be grilled. He's set to testify Wednesday for three hours, three hours before the House Judiciary Committee. That starts at 8.30 a.m. Eastern time. And then he gets like a little, quick little lunch break. Little lunch break. And goes for two hours before the Intelligence That's right. Committee. He's going to get them all. And here's actually my favorite part of all of this is all of the bloggers and pundits who are writing up the story of here's what I would ask if I could ask Bob Mueller five minutes of questions. Here's what I would write. Uh, Jim Comey did one of these. There's a few of these that I saw today. And I just love it because I think that they don't trust the Democrats on the committee uh, to ask the right questions. Listen, and I so covered the big tech hearings, and uh, it's not just Democrats who could use a refresher on well, policy. I, I'm only seeing Amen. these particular things from the left, but I wouldn't be surprised if actually tomorrow we just see a few of them take right. what Comey's written and say, Mr. Mueller, here are my questions for you. So look at those, and I think we'll get a sense of what they're going to ask. I think we're ask. also going to actually see members just yield their time to maybe one or two people to just ask all the questions. I just, I, I don't, I mean, you know, who knows? We're all going to be watching. We're going to be following along. Adam Schiff, Adam Schiff uh, was asked about this, uh, you know, the Democrat on the committee, Schiff. Uh, chairman of Intel. Chairman of Intel. He's stop number two on Mueller's tour de force <laughs> in the House of Representatives. Yeah, by the way, i got to get my sleep tonight because, I mean, it's going to be like throwing elbows in, the, in these gaggles. But oh, Adam yeah. Schiff was asked about this. Take a listen to what Adam Schiff had to say. We don't know what the scope of Mueller's investigation was. We don't know whether the decisions on scope were imposed on him uh, by the acting attorney general or, or the deputy attorney general. All right, and I don't know, though. I mean, we do know the scope of the investigation. We all read the report, all of us who are following this. So what, from a Democratic strategy, Capri, are Democrats going to try to make Mueller look irrelevant, or are they going to say that their questions yielded new information, which leads to calls for impeachment? I think that they want to do the latter, 
but I don't know if it will be possible. I think that it's only going right. to be – And this is why it's a huge gamble. I mean, that's what they want. I think that they want to be able to somehow bootstrap their way to say there's been new revelations that, you know, make us uh, be – you know, have to follow the path to impeachment. But when Robert Mueller, again, is more lawyerly and is not going to be giving yes or no answers or says, I'm just going to refer to my, testi- my to the report, page 365 in volume two or whatever it is – they're going to be stuck, and that's going to be—that's uh, not going to be a great place. And if they continue to beat this drum, people in places like Ohio are already going that already have fatigue are going to be even I mean, Bob more. Bob Mueller, Bob Mueller, by the way, uh, it, it previously served as the sixth director of the FBI from 2001 oh, yeah. to 2013. Princeton educated, NYU. Served as a Marine Corps officer in the Vietnam, Vietnam. War. I mean, well, and that's the thing. It's He's not, not like nervous. this is. Yeah, no. for, I mean, He's going to sleep like a baby tonight. <laughs> and you know what? Tomorrow, like, it's hard to imagine how tomorrow will be anything other than a push. And I just have to say, like, if it's if it's a push, or even if Republicans do well, then Trump is fine. Like, it's there is no scenario where they're going to get new information out of Bob Mueller. Uh, you know, you know who agrees with you, Tyler. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. Take a listen to what he had to say about this. We've already heard from him. You know, it seems to me, I don't know how many times we want to see this movie again, but uh, I, I think the American people have moved on past this. And Adam Schiff, chairman of the House Intel Committee, disagrees. He says we've got to follow the money. Here's, here's Congressman Schiff. This is one of the reasons why we place such a high priority on following the money, because if that wasn't done, at least it wasn't done as part of the criminal probe, then someone needs to look at whether there is financial compromise. You know, I so I mean, th- this is where we're at, and and you know, with respects to the Democrats, as we saw, as we saw last week, uh, Democrats are are still calling for impeachment. And Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi has about ninety or so within her caucus who want to see those calls for impeachment. I wonder if Bob Mueller goes to Martin's Tavern tonight. Remember that? Just the other month he went to uh, he went to the to Billy Martin's Tavern. I love Martin's yeah, Tavern. Yeah, we might get a we picture. We all love Martin's. There's fried green tomatoes, Martin's Tavern. Only place in D.C. that has them that I found. Coming up, panel stays. We're also going to check in. We're going to get wonky on weed. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. You can download the sound on podcast on Apple iTunes iTunes by downloading the Bloomberg Business app, or you can also find us on radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli. I'm Amy Morris. Tomorrow morning at 5 on Bloomberg Daybreak, former special counsel Robert Mueller will have five hours to testify before the House Judiciary and Intelligence Committees. That's Bloomberg Daybreak tomorrow morning starting at 5 on Bloomberg 99.1. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. 
Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio, and we're following all things... Mueller, as special counsel Bob Mueller gets set to testify. We're also following the Justice Department headline crossing the Bloomberg terminal as we speak that the Justice Department says that it's investigating whether technology giants are harming competition. This is stepping up its scrutiny of the industry's biggest, biggest companies. Uh, But there is another hearing on Capitol Hill today, another hearing on on uh, cannabis legislation. And once we get, we're having a little bit of trouble getting him on the line, but once he calls in, we will take you to him. He's the CEO of one of these companies, Brady Cobb. Uh, When we get Brady on the line, uh, I will bring him to you. But here with me in studio is Capri Cafaro, a friend of the program, an executive in residence at American University, former Democratic minority leader in the Ohio Senate, and Tyler Deaton. He is a Republican strategist, fundraiser, president of Allegiance Strategies. Uh, First time on the program. Tyler, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. And Capri, I mean, in the break, I mean, not to get too wonky and in the weeds across the pond, but big news for Boris Johnson. Vote of the Joe. Um, Lots of hair on both sides of the Atlantic now. Um, It's going to be interesting, I mean, to see – to see what happens uh, going forward with this and how it's going to impact Brexit. I love the fact that he's uh, praising Theresa May on his way out, but I'm sure we can lament on that at some point further in the show. I just hope his first move is not to fire the guy he just beat, Jeremy Hunt, a really capable foreign secretary Secretary. for the United Kingdom. And I just think that the best thing Boris could do, and this will be a real signal of what his government's going to look like, is if he keeps Jeremy Hunt or if he tries to Why should him. Americans, Tyler, care about Brexit? There, it's Johnson. our special relationship, and I actually yeah. don't think that that's just... You know what? I, I don't the, think I that's just the crown. I watched The Crown on Netflix. <laughs> that's, that's special. It's, it's why, all about... Why, it's to the heart of who we are as the, as the Western order, Not and I think... Enough. Does it affect their bottom line, Capri? Yes, it does. I think that it, it does. I mean, their relationship with Europe does. Their relationship with Europe affects the United States. Um, and it, it, depending on how they deal with Brexit, if they have a no-deal Brexit or if they actually have a deal, will impact their currency rates, how the dollar goes against the pound, and all the rest of that. So right now is the time to go to Britain because it's about 1.2 to the dollar. All right. All right. We're going to pivot. We're going to pivot back to weed. We're going to pivot back to marijuana. Cannabis legislation. Don't you love how like lawmakers on Capitol Hill, they won't call it weed. They'll call it cannabis because I guess that makes it sound more... Um, I don't know. Uh, but joining us on the line is a CEO, uh, is a lawyer and CEO of SOL Global, who has been meeting with senators in the last couple of weeks to discuss cannabis regulation reform. His name is Brady Cobb. Uh, Brady, you were following the Senate Banking Committee's hearing today from afar, uh, but you were following this. What did you make of how lawmakers up on Capitol Hill are talking about cannabis regulation? 
You know, the fact that they were actually talking about banking legislation pertaining to cannabis is a big moment given what we've all been through over the last, in the space, over the last, you know, two and a half, three years fighting for the ability to even have a hearing. I think uh, the, the, re, the response from the committee was very good. They were asking a lot of questions and the right questions. We weren't talking about things like, oh, you got to deschedule it first. It was everyone recognized, and I think even, even critics of cannabis openly recognized that, hey, I may not agree with this, but this industry is huge. There's public companies involved. There's hardworking Americans working in these dispensaries or in these growth facilities, and they should have access to financial you know, security. These, these businesses shouldn't be cash businesses on the fringe. Like, this should actually be something that's properly banked, that everyone can, can you know, there's transparency. And from a government standpoint, if you want to root out bad actors, look at the transactions. If you want to figure out the possible tax you know, that you could place on this industry to turn a negative into a positive. You've got to have it in the financial services institutions. You've got to be able to see the actual cash flow. So those are the types of questions and responses that were coming up. And I was a very, you know, with as much as I've worked on the Safe Banking Act or worked on the States Act, to hear those types of educated questions being asked from, you know, from when I started a couple of years ago, you know, making my way through the halls in Congress, there wasn't a lot of members that knew much of anything about the cannabis industry yeah. or the troubles that it was going through as it was trying to grow. I mean, it really to hear is, how educated the conversation was today it really is a strong is signal that we're in the Brady right Cobb, direction. Brady Cobb's on the line. He's a lawyer and CEO of SOL Global, Soul Global. Uh, and he's one of the folks who've been meeting with lawmakers on cannabis regulation uh, uh, and, and, and whatnot. And it really is fascinating, Brady, because when I was out in Colorado on the campaign trail, I mean, you, you, it, it's real because financial institutions, big banks, small banks, community banks, they cannot get involved in this industry, even though it's legalized in states like Colorado. They're literally shoving cash into briefcases in order to make transactions. And essentially what I'm gathering from you is that when the Senate Banking Committee is having these types of serious hearings, and President Trump, for example, is stating publicly that he would support um, it, you know, reforms for the industry, this is it's not if, it's a matter of when. I think you stated it. That's That's a perfect way to encapsulate kind of what we're in right now. And it's it was a largely because you had states like uh, Ohio, Florida, Pennsylvania, Michigan, states that the math doesn't work in the Electoral College to carry the White House without those states all have legal cannabis in one form or the other. So it's no longer something that's on the fringe out west. It's, it's real. And these are real businesses investing hundreds of millions of dollars in these states. And look at the Colorado as a perfect example. They went from a budget deficit to a budget surplus where they're building schools and parks with a, with a well-regulated cannabis system that taxes the industry, and, and they reinvest the money into the community. So the key is, let's assume you're a licensed operator in the, in the state of Colorado. You comply with all the state laws, which is there's a lot of them. Uh, you're fully compliant with the Department of Health, and you want to write a check to a plumber that needs to come in and fix something in one of your facilities. How do you do that without a checking account? How do you run payroll? You can't. It, 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 it's so hard. We're not talking about a small industry. These are you know, 17 or 18 publicly traded U.S. cannabis multi-state operators on various different indexes. And, right. you know, investors are writing about it. It's a topic on CNBC all the time. It's, hey, a, it's, a, wait, topic it's a topic on, on Bloomberg the, TV. Come on. Come on. Yeah, Bloomberg. every network. Exactly. exactly. Every single network covers cannabis, yet you can't bank it. So I, mean, I, I think what thing. is what is let's get let's dive into the weeds for lack of a better term. What is the I most like pressing pressing regulatory 
issue number one in the short term that the cannabis industry needs resolved in the immediate short term? And you've been so generous with your time. This is uh, so. This is my final question. So. The Safe Banking Act needs to pass to clear up financial institutions, and the States Act, which is drafted by Senator Gardner, which just is a states' rights bill. It just simply says, when there's a, you know, if it's legal in the state, and you're complying with state law, you're not violating Schedule One. Those two bills open up what the market. What does that mean for get folks the capital who are as familiar with this as you are? What does that mean? What that means is that if you are, if you have a, sta- if the voters of the state of Florida or the state of New York say we want legalized cannabis. You're no longer violating Schedule uh, Schedule One of the Controlled Substances Act if you're complying with New York law. Yeah, that the then feds. allows you to bank. Yeah, the feds exactly. As long as the feds don't list it as a drug and the states say it's not a drug, then you're then you're in compliance. All right, Brady Cobb. I know you're going to come back on. Appreciate the time, lawyer and CEO of Soul Global S O L Global. Coming up, more politics and policy ahead of trade talks in China and Mueller Day on Capitol Hill. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also check us out on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli. I'm Nathan Hager. Join us tomorrow morning on Bloomberg Daybreak for a big day of earnings in tech, industrials, and more. We'll check in with Lori Calvacina, head of U.S. Equities at RBC Capital Markets. That's Bloomberg Daybreak tomorrow morning at 5 on Bloomberg 99.1. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. A whole lot of senators and I, I assume a whole lot of members of the House of Representatives that don't know what's in this deal the deal folks that was senator john kennedy republican from louisiana talking about the debt ceiling deal that two-year deal two-year deal that president trump has agreed to with speaker of the house nancy pelosi that coming just about 24 hours ago i'm kevin cirilli chief washington correspondent for bloomberg television and bloomberg radio president trump tweeted out that there were no quote-unquote poison pills in that deal. Capri Cafaro is here. She's an executive in residence at American University and former Democratic minority leader in the Ohio Senate. Tyler Deaton, a Republican strategist and fundraiser. fundraiser. He is a pres- he is president of Allegiance Strategies. Tyler, President Trump says no poison pills in the deal. Are there? I don't think that there are poison pills in the deal, and I think that that's why it's going to pass. Now, what he means by poison pills, of course, is subject to interpretation. But one thing that this two-year deal will preserve is the Hyde Amendment, um, which is something that's been controversial. Um, Remind our our esteemed and very busy listeners what the Hyde Amendment is. Well, this is what Joe Biden got into trouble on, and I'm, I'm curious what Capri thinks of this, because Joe Biden said that he no longer supported the Hyde Amendment, which is what guarantees that there's no taxpayer funds that go to anything related to abortion. And so that's in the deal, and it'll be interesting to see. I mean, Speaker Pelosi is backing the deal with the Hyde language. This is what Joe Biden and practically every other Democrat running for president has said, that they want taxpayer funds going to abortion. I just think it's a a really landmark agreement that what is in this for both sides 
is that they can clear the decks, not have another budget fight, two years. and we'll fight about other issues. For I mean, look, it doesn't mean the fighting is going to end, but if it means that we borrow $300 more billion from China so that we can avoid a debt, <laughs> another debt impasse, then I'll, I guess I'll take that deal. Well, and I think this is what's really interesting about this. And, and on one hand, I certainly do agree. I mean, I'm glad that we're not dealing with another continuing resolution. I don't think that that's good for business. You know, we've kicked the can down the road too many times. I mean, the fact that we're dealing, you know, we're dealing with the, the increase in the debt ceiling basically avoids catastrophe. I think they're doing it for two years so they can avoid um, having this catastrophe come to bear in the midst of a presidential election cycle as well. Um, but, you know, we're increasing discretionary spending. We're not dealing with entitlements. You know, two things that deficit hawks on, on the Republican side, I'm sure, are not crazy about. And so, you know, President Trump came out and said he was all for this deal. I don't necessarily know how Kevin right. McCarthy and the rest of the Republicans well, felt about that at the time, because I think he sort of stole their thunder and preempted that I, without, you know, having some sort of a unified message there. Well, get this. Uh, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, you know, the Republican from Kentucky, has a thing or two about whip counts. He says, I, I love this McConnell quote because I, we all, I mean, in covering McConnell, this is quintessential Mitch, Mitch McConnell. He goes, quote, I make no apologies for this two-year cap steal. When you have divided government, both sides have a seat at the table. Essentially what he's telling the, the, his colleagues – and the Republican Party in the House of Representatives is this is as good as it gets. No, Tyler? Oh, that, look, this is going to rocket through. Everybody wants to leave for their summer recess well, in August. and sad? so That's It's sad. just going to go sad. right through. And I'll tell you, there's one other thing, and I, I just love this, that Ron Johnson, Republican from Wisconsin, he's planning on voting no because it doesn't include his provision, which would guarantee that there would be no more shutdowns. And I actually think that that's the biggest miss in this is he has a bill called the Shutdown Fairness Act. It would guarantee that essential federal employees kept getting paid no matter what it. is that's happening such a no in Congress. Yeah. But they're not including that. And well, so Ron and Johnson's voting no. I think that's amazing. Well, he should good, hold his ground. That's good for Ron Johnson for doing that. But that's I mean, I Ron think that they, they introduced that they introduced that bill in the midst of of the shutdown the first time as well. Yeah. And I don't know why they can't just do why that. It's because, you know why? They want to have the fight. They want <laughs> to right. hold. They want to be they, able. They're they not going to let go of the they gun. Need, they need the stick. They need the That's stick. That's right. All right. Coming up, I never knew that, that I actually knew today when I looked at the rundown and was talking with our EP, Christine Barada, when I saw Tyler and Capri on, I thought this is going to be so much fun. And this segment proves why, because only you two together could make the debt ceiling this interesting. Coming up, we're going to talk more policy and politics. Let's see if you can do the same for trade. Uh, panel stays, Capri Cafaro, Tyler Deaton. Download the sound on podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find me on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli with two all-stars. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli. I'm Tom Keen. Tomorrow morning at 7 on Bloomberg Surveillance, Robert Hormatz of Kissinger Associates on America and a new United Kingdom. That's Bloomberg Surveillance tomorrow morning at 7 on Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. She called our country and our people garbage. She said garbage. That's worse than deplorable. Remember deplorable? Oh, yes, you do. Huh? Remember Hillary, the deplorables. Remember deplorables. That was President Trump continuing to go after Congresswoman Alexandria 
Ocasio-Cortez, the squad, as she calls herself, along with three other freshman members of the House Democratic Caucus. President Trump was speaking at the Turning Point USA Teen Summit, or I'm sorry, the Turning Point USA Teen Student Action Summit, a gathering of uh, conservative teenagers. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Two all-stars with me, Tyler Deaton, Republican strategist and fundraiser, president of Allegiance Strategies, and Capri Cafaro, executive in residence at American University, former Democratic minority leader in the Ohio Senate. Capri, the squad versus President Trump, President Trump versus the squad. You're a Democrat. What do you make of all this? Yawn. I mean, seriously. I don't like, think a lot of people are yawning, Capri. No, actually, I mean, you'd be surprised. I mean, the, this. I think that there's been so much coverage and so much banter back and forth between Trump and the squad. I think that it's really good for the base of both parties where they're really fired up and they're basically saying, great, like, go and punch them. Like, you know, a, go squad, don't okay. back down, et cetera. No one is, no one is in, insinuating that we should have violence. And as no. the host of this program, thank you very I much. Thank you for clarifying that. It's, it's more of a rhetorical, yes. verbal. Words matter, Capri. Yes, it does. I apologize for that. But you understand what I'm saying, that it's good for both bases. Both bases want to see both sides standing up to what they feel is wrong with the other. So while all this is going down, Speaker Pelosi's on the phone with Secretary Mnuchin and they get a deal. That's right, because the adults in the room actually are focused on policy rather than on getting in front of the, you know, the Instagram stories. Okay, but I mean, is, is this hindering ability or clouding attention on other policy areas? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you think about trade, USMCA. I mean, this is a big issue for people that care. Well, about I, the economy. And I think that what we're going to see is this is this is my take on it is that I don't think that the squad is as cohesive as it's been made because Ooh. Representative Presley, I just I, I think it's actually pretty insulting to her that she's been grouped in with these other three newbies. Like she is a former John Kerry staffer. She's extremely accomplished. She was on the Boston City Council. What state? I Massachusetts, yeah, and I respect the hell out of her, and she's nothing like these other three, just in terms of experience and qualifications. I gotta push back. And so, Representative Presley, like, I think that while the other three might continue to go and kind of stir things up, Representative Presley's actually here to do stuff. And I might would disagree with her on a lot of issues, but she's just in a whole other category see, than I these look, other three. See, I, so, I watch because I have no life. When I couldn't sleep the other night, I watched the unedited version of Gail King's interview on CBS with uh, with the squad. She right. did like this 33-minute interview with all four of them. And what Tyler mentioned about Congresswoman Presley, I, I picked up on in, in, in a different sense, though. What I made that out to be and the way that she was communicating, which is different than the other three, than AOC, Ilhan Omar, and uh, the, the way that they're communicating, is she's essentially saying, I'll be the one that actually negotiates with Pelosi. And it's like, mm -hmm. but so, but where I disagree with Tyler Capri is that I think that's part of their strategy, is that they're instructing leadership essentially to to make Presley the one that gets in there and rolls up their sleeves. You know the dynamics, Capri, of the Democratic Party better than anyone. Is that I what's going on here? I would beg to differ. Well, you're humble. <laughs> <laughs> I would beg to differ. I mean, I I think actually the bigger threat to the squad is the squad being divisive amongst itself. So yes. maybe Ooh. Presley is maybe there is some sort of tacit agreement amongst the squad that Presley will be. I can't believe we're calling it the squad. You Come know I, what? I I, no, I, I, I I've unfortunately been on air so much calling it the squad <laughs> uh, by virtue of where I'm usually on the air that that just is is where my head's at. But what I think the the bigger issue is you know. Right now, they are a united front, so to speak, 
but I think that there will ultimately be competition for who the lead is of the squad. Presley's playing a long game. And and so and and that very very well may be smart, but at some point somebody's gonna have to be Beyonce and Destiny's child and that's that is right. when the band is gonna break well, up. The squad right, will and with become that, a trio. It's time to pivot. I mean how do you pivot out of the, out of Beyonce? I mean I, I got nothing. But I, I Do you I, see my analogy? I mean I could have used other music analogies that nobody else would relate to, so that was the easiest one <laughs> No, for I me. like it. But no, we're gonna turn to serious <laughs> stuff. Goes, no, I like it. And look, USMCA, new NAFTA, it's supposed to be on the calendar in September. We have real work for this nation to be doing, and so I would like to see some more attention on that. Well, I don't. And, even, by the way, I don't even know, does maybe, AOC have a position on that or USMCA? But maybe, um, now that we've gotten past the issue of the budget and the debt ceiling, maybe USMCA has an opportunity to see right. the light of day, but it's not. it hasn't even gotten any... Any Kelly and Conway mentioned this yesterday on Pebble Beach at the White House when she was gaggling with reporters, and she said essentially, when while she was answering about the squad versus President Trump, she said, you know, there's there's real issues that that have to get done. USMCA being one of them. You you guys both know this in terms of just how crucial calendar time is, mm-hmm. especially this time of year. It really was, for example, one of the reasons whether any of us like it or not, us taxpayers like it or not. One of the reasons why the debt ceiling ultimately got done. You've got hundreds of lawmakers, all of whom ha- want to get home for August recess, and that's how that artificial deadline works. Get on board with this, or you're going to have to stay. Right, but our federal fiscal August, year into August recess. The federal fiscal year, to your point, still September 30th. Still so, September. point being that when they come back, they may yes. actually have a chance after the August recess because the debt ceiling you're ahead of me. is. Yeah, yeah, sorry. No, you're ahead of me. No, no, I, I love it. Keep going. Yeah. So my, my point is, is that now they've bought themselves a little bit of time yes. because had the debt ceiling not been resolved, had the budget not been resolved, they would have really been up against it and there wouldn't have been any room for you. So what you're suggesting is that the original zeitgeist, to quote my good friend and mentor here at Bloomberg, Tom Keene, the zeitgeist here inside of the Beltway was you got to get USMCA done ahead of the August recess or its chances of getting done diminish before 2020 and then obviously uncertainty after 2020. But what you're suggesting, Capri, is that because they got the debt ceiling done, they still have time in September, Tyler Deaton, Republican strategist, in order to get USMCA passed in September. Well, I think the conventional wisdom was that they would do USMCA before they figured out a budget deal. But But Speaker Pelosi figured out the budget deal. So here we are. It means that they're going to have time in September. And also that lets our talks with China on trade continue to mature. Like none of these single trade deals can be viewed in a vacuum, right? We're thinking Europe, we're thinking Asia, and we're thinking our neighbors here in North America. It's all part of a program that I I actually have a lot of confidence in our trade representative, Bob Lighthizer. He's from Ohio. I feel like if he, oh, that's right, he is. He's from Astrobulo, where I used to represent. And so if he is negotiating these deals, and I think that a lot of our listeners will agree, is that he is going to be doing things that are in the best interest of the country. You mentioned Lighthizer. Bob, uh, Sorry, U.S. Trade Representative Bob Lighthizer and senior U.S. officials are set to travel to China next Monday for the first high-level face-to-face trade negotiations between the world's two biggest economies since the talks broke down in May. This according to my colleagues Sean Donnan and Jenny Leonard reporting on the Bloomberg Terminal. Of course, we're, beginning, we're going to be keeping tabs on the U.S.-China trade talks. Capri Kafara, what else is on your radar? We got Mueller tomorrow. What's on your radar for tomorrow and the rest of this week? You're going into ear surgery. Good luck. I'm going that. into ear surgery, so not much, but I, I will just give this my opportunity to give a shout-out to the fact that I'm glad that the House actually finally passed a bipartisan repeal of the Cadillac tax, making things more 
more affordable uh, for health care for those with uh, employer-based and union-based health care products. Tyler Deaton, Republican strategist, what's on your radar? You know, I just... With Mueller happening tomorrow, there's going to be all this attention about Russia again. And I just want, in the in all of the hoopla and the hysteria about Russia, I want us to come back to the fact that we actually do have real disagreements with Russia. There are real problems in Russia, one of which is their human rights abuses. Mm-hmm. Actually, just before we came on the air, it came to light that an LGBT activist in Russia was targeted. She was found stir- like stabbed and murdered oh in St. Petersburg. And so we have real differences with Russia. And so, you know, I think that we have to get through tomorrow and Democrats are going to have this show. But, like, we have to get back to the real business of this country. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that is a a major, major story. All right. Um, This was fun, you guys. Right? Very. Very. I feel like, you know, I was a little bit nervous because I I know – that sometimes I got to rein it in. But, you know, we've got so much. I'm going to be up on Capitol Hill tomorrow for Bloomberg TV starting at 6 a.m. Uh, live on Capitol Hill. We've got all-star coverage planned. Uh, we're following multiple, multiple fronts. I want to thank Capri Cafaro. She's an executive in residence at American University, former Democratic minority leader in the Ohio Senate. You're going into ear surgery. Good luck with that. Thank you. Good. L- I should probably get my ears checked. I'm sure a lot of people feel that way. Tyler Deaton, Republican strategist and fundraiser, president of Allegiance Strategies. Will you come back on? I would love to. All right. Well, we appreciate your first time on the program. Appreciate the time. You can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also check us out as well as my colleagues on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. That does it for me. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. And you are listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli. I'm Doug Krisner. Coming up next hour on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, the Department of Justice is set to open a broad antitrust investigation into some of America's tech giants and whether or not they're unlawfully stifling competition. We'll take a look at the top of the hour, Daybreak Asia on Bloomberg 99.1. Osage County, Oklahoma, is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders, when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams Hurd, the host of In Trust, a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story, about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth, and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast In Trust on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.